Hey everybody, it's T with the UFOs Want to Tell You Something. I figured we'd go over UFOs and the paranormal a little more. You guys seem to like that one. Probably not the first one where I blow up about Nick Redfern, but that's beside the point. He is a very nice man, I'm sure, but we disagree on a lot. But we are going to step into the paranormal once more. Take a look and see if there's a link. Now, of course, as I've pointed out, there are some odd things about the UFO phenomenon. And I think we'll kick into that tonight. But we also got an interview with Preston Dennett coming up. It's going to be on there tomorrow. Or today. So I just wanted to let you guys know about that. Now let's get it. Now let's go over the interdimensional hypothesis. Now you all know my feelings on this. I don't see the parallels, but let's still go over it for the sake of argument because you people should be able to make your own decisions. I'm simply here to try to propose another theory. Well, I mean, it is the ETH, very popular theory, very prolific. So a short intro to this would be the interdimensional hypothesis holds that UFOs and their occupants come from a parallel dimension. Very Twilight Zone-esque. That is to say, again, UFOs disappear and these entities can walk through walls and things like that. Again, they draw the connection between poltergeist and dead with the interdimensional hypothesis as well. John Keel proposed this with his ultra-terrestrials, Jacques Ballet, there's Brad Steiger, there's a lot of people who've done it. And I think a lot of people move toward that. Uh, George Knapp, I believe, believes that. Debbie Jordan of Intruders, her abduction. She now believes something along that line. It's very prolific. People believe that one just as much as the ETH anymore. Now my issues with it is, again, it can be explained as just extraterrestrial. It doesn't have to be a parallel dimension. Some of the things that they say would be signs of that would indicate otherwise. For example, walking through walls or solid objects. That could be technology. Invisible entities, as we covered in Brad Seiger's thing. You know, the Game of Wizards in the prior podcast. That could be technology. UFOs seem to go into the sky and space and have been observed in space. That could be extraterrestrial rather than interdimensional technology. You also have these other issues. For example, when abductees are taken, as we've gone over many times and what you're going to keep seeing the trend of is the fact that it's reproductive oriented. So in other words, hybrid babies, that kind of thing warnings of us destroying the earth and trying to make us stop. So one of the questions that pops up with the reproductive stuff, why would they be creating children on these craft? Simply to take to another dimension? I don't think so. More of a panspermia kind of thing would make a lot more sense to me. Rather than taking the David Jacobs look at this and saying that they're trying to invade Earth, so they're blending our two species together, rather maybe they're trying to populate another planet with two blends. That makes a lot more sense, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense with the interdimensional hypothesis. Are you saying that they're trying to populate another dimension, or what, what, what's the point here? Because I'm not seeing it. There's simple little issues like that that pop up. 
There's issues with every theory. But that's one of the main ones with the interdimensional hypothesis alone. Now that's a short synopsis of it. But let's go over a couple of the other things that don't really fit with that theory. You got synchronicities. So, again, my same issue with the ETH hypothesis on this is are you telling me that these euphonauts, because that's what they are, whether interdimensional, extraterrestrial, whatever, are able to control animals, make them cross your path, and that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't see that. I think that's more human perception, and I don't buy that theory. As humans, we look for patterns. For example, I've had quite a few synchronicities as of late. I was doing research, and there's a new documentary that came out about UFOs and volcanoes. Now I was familiar with this to a degree. I still haven't watched the documentary. In fact, I can't wait. It's got Jaime Muson in there, and Stephen Bassett. And Jaime Muson is interesting because Mexico is well known for having many UFO sightings. So I'm doing research into that because I was looking for the connection between, you know, UFOs and earthquakes and, you know, these natural things that happen. UFOs do pop up around there. Now it could be earth lights and things like that, but some of them appear not to be. So I'm doing research on that. And all of a sudden I run across an article popping up on Facebook. Boom! UFOs and volcanoes. Synchronicity. A meaningful coincidence. I'm watching a popular TV show that happened recently. You know what I see? A little ball of light. That was an entity. Such as we've gone over in prior podcasts. Another one that popped up on that same TV show was Missing Time. So, meaningful coincidences. But again, we look for them as human beings. It does not mean it's guided or directed. I know we've covered that before and it's probably getting old, but I just wanted to throw that part out there because that part really doesn't fit. And people like to push it. Now to an abductee or contactee, that may seem very significant, like it's got a lot of feeling to it, but it very well might not. So let's go over UFOs and ghosts, or the dead. Now again, we've already gone over a game of wizards with Brad Steiger from his book, The Abductors. Let's, let's take a deeper look into that. Is there a connection? That's what these UFOs and the Paranormal podcast are all about. Is we're, we're taking a look into it. So I grabbed a couple of my books, and I figured I'd try to find some parallels into this, because I've looked into it and I haven't found a whole bunch before, alright? There's a couple cases of poltergeist, a couple cases of seeing ETs with the dead, but not many. And as we've gone over before, that could be technology, that could be the Turner thesis, as in altered perceptions. But we're going to go over a couple right now. Now, Gwen Farrell's book, Forbidden Questions, that we went over last week, we're going to get back into that because she's got a little tiny segment on here about this. ETs and the paranormal, separate or overlapping realms. Traditionally, UFO investigators have kept the fields of extraterrestrial and paranormal events separate. But increasingly, reports of individuals who are encountering both extraterrestrial beings and spirits of the dead, human beings in the same events, are bringing that practice into question. Along with boundaries of reality, space, and time, 
Whitley Strieber and others believe this to be the case, and draw a parallel as well as the following quote in an interview done by Whitley Strieber. This was a story of somebody who contacted him with an amazing experience. He and his wife are in the living room. The old dog is asleep on the hearth. It's late at night, 10 o'clock, and the dog needs to go out again. For a second time, which is very unusual for this dog. The wife goes to take the dog out and opens the door, and as she does, she sees a fireball race across the sky and go down behind the trees in front of her house. She then says to her husband, I just saw a plane going down in flames and you're going to get a call because he's with the FAA. Just at that time, their seven-year-old boy comes running down the stairs shouting, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy. Little blue men came into my room and they had Bobby with them. And he said to tell you that he's all right. Now, Bobby was an older son who had died in an auto accident a week before. Now this in itself is odd. As she points out in her book, was the boy perhaps just missing his brother? Or were the two phenomena linked? Now no experience seems to take place with the boy. There was no missing time or any of that that is apparent. Simply a fireball and little blue men. Now is that enough to draw a parallel between the two phenomena? Could it come down to the Turner thesis? I will leave that open to you. My personal opinion, if these events did take place, I would go with more of the Turner thesis of a grieving young boy. And maybe they appeared with his brother or as his brother to put the boy at some form of solace. Now Whitley Strieber himself had an experience in his first abduction case in the book Communion in which he also talks about seeing a man with these visitors. Now he had known this man and surprisingly to Whitley the man had died 10 months beforehand and he didn't know this at the time. Now again, is there a parallel or is it two separate phenomena? Or simply the Turner thesis again? The phenomena masking itself to put Whitley at calm. Now I've got a chart from Jordan Hofer's Little Gray Bastards. You guys know I love that book. And in there he has 11 similarities between gray aliens and ghosts, which I'll put up on my Facebook. I'll take a picture of it and put it up on there. But let's go over them and let's see how accurate they are. Now I love Jordan Hofer. I love his work. In fact, I, I wish to reach out to him at some point, yet I can't find him. So if you can find him, let me know. But let's go over this. Number one, exhibits shape or form, especially an orb. Now he's got both grays and ghost checked off on that. Okay, I've heard of some cases like that, but not a whole lot. So we're going to give him that one, unless what he's referring to is they come to you in physical form, or physical shapes, which is a given. But if he's saying that ETs appear to people as orbs, I have heard this once or twice. It's not very commonly reported, but it has been reported, so we're just going to give him that one. Change shape or form. That's number two on there. And he's got both grays and ghosts checked off on it. Well, changing the form could simply come down to the Turner thesis. And we'll give him that too. That is accurate. Now, levitation is number three. And he's got that down just for the grays. 
that's accurate in some cases. They're not always reported levitating. Usually that's on the UFO itself, if at all. But we're going to give him that one as well. Transparency. He's only got ghost on there. That seems to be accurate. We did go over the one case from Bob Mitchell's intruders with the mantis that seemed to be transparent, though. So, we're going to put down aliens on that as well, even though I would disagree, because there are some oddities out there. But in the overall experience as a whole, he is accurate. Number five, moves through solid objects. He's got both ghost and grays checked off. That's accurate. We have talked about that before. That seems to be something that does happen with the alien abduction experience. They are able to come through your walls and get you at times. Not always the case, but it is very commonly reported. Appears and disappears visually. That one does happen. It's a little more debatable on the overall experience, so whether it's common or not. I found it in some cases, but not all. But Terry Lovelace again had that experience with the little yellow-eyed monkeys, and this they disappeared once the light got turned on. Telekinesis, specifically poltergeist activity on number seven. He's just got ghost checked off. So as you can see, just from what he has there, poltergeist phenomena isn't all-encompassing for the UFO phenomena, as some people like to press it to be. In fact, as I've proposed, perhaps they're observing the phenomena rather than causing the phenomena. Number eight, appears primarily at night. Waking or dreaming. He's got both grays and ghosts checked off. That does happen. There has been daylight abductions and sightings. But the vast majority do come at night. Either waking or dreaming. That is true. Number nine. Communicates with a person telepathically for the gray ghost telepathically or audibly. I find this to be accurate. He put two, down two separate things. But it seems to fit. As far as ghosts speaking to you telepathically, I'm not too sure about that. But that does seem to fit the mold. Number 10. Physically controls people. Gray's Full body paralysis, ghost possession. Now those are two separate things, and he's got grays checked off and ghosts. I don't attribute them both to the same thing. One is possession, the other is sleep paralysis, or to a degree sleep paralysis. Because the dream doesn't end quickly, like most sleep paralysis dreams do. So to even call it a dream would be inaccurate. Because you're living the experience. You're not just dreaming. But that is where some psychologists take up the argument of sleep paralysis from. But the argument against that is that the person's not always sleeping. But I digress. Number 11. Paranormal Activity associated with specific places serial abductions and ghost hauntings he's got both grays and ghosts checked off on there I disagree with this to a degree now ghost hauntings that does seem to be a specific location serial abductions on the other hand can follow you that goes where you go. You move, they come and find you anyway. Which is where the whole implant phenomena comes into this. 
where people will say that that is a tracking device, even though it doesn't seem to be. Because they can find you anywhere at any time. Now overall, I find this chart to be quite interesting. Do I draw a parallel? Absolutely not. Even over the couple things we've gone over in that, there seems to be stark differences. There's a couple similarities, but the majority are differences. Now this implies to me, again, two separate phenomena rather than one in a whole. Now you draw your own conclusions on that, but remember to be open-minded. Now let's go over a little side aspect. I've heard the argument, there'll be a group of five people, three people can see the UFO and two can't, therefore paranormal. Now I don't agree with that. And I'll give you a good example why. Let's say there's a jet way high up in the sky. Everybody looks to see the jet, and not everybody does. Perhaps the jet went behind some clouds, perhaps some, something else happened. It does not mean therefore paranormal. It doesn't mean that the UFO occupants are making the three people see it and the two others not. Now, as a good example, we can look at the Phoenix Lights case. Thousands of people saw it. Bunch of videos. There wasn't anybody that walked outside and didn't see it. So I think drawing a parallel between the two like that is pretty inaccurate. Again, you need to go over a large pool of data, preferred to a couple odd cases. Now I bring that up because I've heard that argument as of recently. And I gotta tell you, I don't agree with it. But our next point is going to be UFOs and the soul. Now as I've talked about in prior podcasts, I've heard of the black box on the UFO, right, that can hold your soul. It's not very commonly reported, it's just reported, you know, in a handful of cases. It's not in the large pool of data, but we're going to take a look at that anyway. Now again, the point I made before with that is your perception could have been altered to the point where you thought your consciousness was in a box. You could have been to believe that, due to the Turner thesis alone. Now. I push the Turner thesis because that seems to be all-encompassing. Within these abductions, oddities happen. Now I can refer back to a case in Bob Mitchell's book. We haven't covered it. Maybe we will. But of a little girl who was having an experience. She was out camping with her parents and her family. And we, we will eventually cover this case, actually. And they see, similar to the last case, a, you know, a fireball coming down. So they figured a plane crashed, so they went to go check it out. This girl comes to. She had been passed out in her back seat on the way there. Her mother was passed out and her sibling was passed out. Her father was at what she believed was a little diner. Talking to little men, and as she went up to it, because she got out, she realized it wasn't a diner at all, it was a UFO. But her perceptions were altered to the point where she saw a diner. Now, I'm going to bring this up with Preston Dennett later. So you're going to hear his interview before you hear this. But he released a case of a woman being on board a UFO and there was carpet and a TV, pretty much a living room. Again, altered perception in my opinion. The Turner thesis. I should do an episode on that all of its own to kind of make this all encompassing, but I want to get through her book taken first. 
But again, I digress because we ventured pretty far off from where we were at. The altered perception theory. Now where we were at, we were talking about the souls. Now, again, referring back to Whitley Strieber's book, Communion. What you find in there is he struggled back and forth with this experience. He theorized, he struggled back and forth, he was scared shitless, I understand. And at one point, he assumed they might be demons trying to get his soul because he was that afraid. He didn't understand. It isn't just him that says that or experiences that. But as we've gone over and pointed out before, it is not a demonic experience. And we will cover that eventually. I'm going to have Joe Jordan on. And we will talk with him about that. Just over the cases we've gone over, that doesn't seem to be the case. And we have another case done by John Mack. In his book, Passport to the Cosmos, he talked about an abductee named Greg. Now, Greg was going through an abduction experience with a reptilian. Within that, Greg feared immensely that his soul would be taken. Now, Greg was in Dr. John Mack's book, Passport to the Cosmos. And I'm going to give you a quote from Dr. John Mack first. Greg told me that the terror of his encounters with a certain reptilian beings was so intense that he feared being separated from his soul. Now let's go into Greg's quote. I would not have any sense of being. I think all of my consciousness would go. I would cease to exist. Interesting. Now, what you note in that is that is the emotion that he's feeling. Is that on his part? Are they making him feel that emotion to make him comply a little more? Or are they simply taking the soul? Well, I would jump on more, either it's his perception or they're pushing that perception to make him comply a little more rather than them actually taking the soul. Now when taking a look at this, you find that there are some other abductees who do talk about this. Yvonne Smith is one, she talked about the little black box. Dr. Carla Turner's husband, Elton, spoke about that. Uh, not that his soul was being taken, but more of a experience before he was born kind of situation. So I'm going to count that as dealing with the soul. I have heard in some cases where before someone is born, under hypnotic regression usually, they come to the conclusion that they had dealt with these entities in a spiritual form and spoke to them about being abducted and so on and so forth. Elton Turner talked about that. I don't know what to make of it. I don't really draw that parallel. Again, with this whole experience and the Turner thesis given, anything could be fabricated. They may not even look like little gray men, insects, reptilians, human beings, and you know how I feel about two of those specifically. They may not even look like that, given the Turner thesis. But I do assert that, and you know, we all know why, due to astrobiological implications of things, it seems to make sense at least for the two that I go into. But the big question is, is there a connection? Now personally, I don't see it. I could see this all being a stark fear thing. So either you can fly with us or we can take your damn soul. That doesn't mean demonic. That doesn't mean anything like that doesn't mean they even actually can. 
it simply means it's a fear factor. And I could be wrong on that, but I don't think so. Because there's one thing you gotta remember. Everyone comes back. You are not uptaken forever. No one's ever reported being abducted, waking up in somebody else's body, walking around the streets living their life, and freaking out the entire time. So it seems to be an intimidation factor rather than them really being able to take your soul. Now in Whitley Strieber's book, Transformation, he spoke about two things specifically that these beings told him. That they recycle souls, and also that the Earth is a teaching planet. So we're here to learn. I really don't know what to make of that. I don't, I don't really buy into that all that much. Now you may draw your own conclusions on that. But I don't see that as a connection. Because on this planet, we're not learning a whole lot. So as far as teaching, that doesn't seem to be the case. We're aggressive bunch of fucking animals. And not everybody's all that bad, but you know, for the most part, a lot of people are. Which points itself in a weird direction. When you think about us being taught, like this is a teaching planet, why in turn would they ask us not to destroy the planet? Why would they care? There's millions of exoplanets out there. That's just one argument I have. It's not a very strong one. And to be honest with you, we're not learning a lot because we seem to be very aggressive. So there's no teaching going on. As far as the teaching we can look at the aerial school case. They're teaching children. The UFO came down, landed. The occupant stood atop it. Telepathically spoke to the children about devastations and not destroying the planet. That's teaching someone. But as far as a broad teaching of people, that is not the case. Now let's go over the other part. Recycling the soul. In what sense? Because it's not commonly reported of abductees' souls being taken out of their body. So, the cycling of souls seems to be something else. Now, as far as their agenda goes, I don't know. And I'm not going to claim to know. That gets people in a lot of fucking trouble. But recycling souls doesn't seem to fit. If you take into account some of the cases like I just went over, like there's a couple odd ones, right? Elton Turner, Yvonne Smith, and a couple other ones. It seems to be an intimidation factor rather than recycling the soul. In fact, they could have just been putting that to Whitley, so that he... Whitley Schrieber is a very intellectual guy. They could have been putting this in terms that maybe he would go with. And we do find, like I said, people become very love and light after these experiences. Some of them. They even prefer to be called contactees rather than abductees in some cases. Now where some would say, you know, and I've heard this argument as well, that's a religion, right? This is going back to the demonic stuff. That's a religion, it's anti-Christian, anti-God. Well actually it's not. I haven't once heard them bagging on God or a Christian view. At some point, we're going to cover Mrs. Hingley's case. And you're going to see what I mean about that. We're going to do it on this episode, but 
Trust me, it's coming. That's more of a Christmas special, but I think this Christmas we're going to cover Communion. Because that also occurred on the 26th, I believe. So we're going to go over that, but... The point is, I don't see a connection where others do. Now, you can draw those parallels yourself and tell me what you think. Personally, I don't buy that. If you recall, also in Communion, they told him, you're special and chosen, and he called bullshit. Because there's so many other people being taken. So how is he chosen? So in other words, they're trying to make him feel more comfortable again. And you're special. And we're taking you for a purpose. It's more manipulative than it is recycling a soul or anything else like that. They want you to perceive that. Now let's cover the five arguments against the extraterrestrial origin of unidentified flying objects by Jacques Vallée in 1990. So we're going to tear this apart and see if it's accurate. Now, I disagree with some of Jacques Vallée's stuff. He's very intelligent. There's a lot I do agree with. But even Dr. Carla Turner took some umbrance with him on certain things, and as do I. I like Jacques Vallée. He's very nice, very intelligent, as I stated. But let's go over his list here. Number one, unexplained close encounters are far more numerous than required for a physical survey of Earth. Now, that seems to be a fact. Okay. It would imply, as we've seen, that of course there is an agenda. I don't know what the agenda is. It seems to be reproductive oriented but also possibly something else. Now, I don't touch on that because I don't know. And honestly, you could have a lot of fucking theories on it, and people do. But that explains away part of it right there. They aren't just grabbing you for experiments, okay? Because it only takes a couple people to figure out that issue whatever they're trying to figure out or look at. Rather, they follow family lines and things like that. There is a goal and an agenda in mind. But I don't know what that is. So, simply visitations or a survey of the planet, no, that doesn't fit. Now, that's not the argument, because it still could be quite possible for an extraterrestrial civilization to keep coming here for a specific reason that we don't know of. Again, it could be something like panspermia, perhaps making a hybrid race that could live on another planet. Not necessarily ours. Number two, the humanoid body structure of alleged aliens is not likely to have originated from another planet and is not biologically adept to space travel. So let's go over the first thing. Actually, I want to start with the second thing. Because I've talked about this myself. In fact, I'm putting together a lecture on it that maybe I can present. The effects of space on our bodies, just us alone, tells us that these entities would wind up looking like that we would look slightly similar with varying issues. Skinny, large heads, large eyes, sometimes short. Due to fluid redistribution, that might actually be better. Bone structure and muscle degeneration would explain the skinniness. The pale skin may even feed into that, to a degree. Now, we are I'm going to cover that in a lecture. 
and then try to present that. I've been working on that. So I'm sorry, but you're wrong on that. So the body is suitable for space. Now, the body structure of the alleged aliens is not likely to have originated on another planet. So he goes along more of the lines of they should have five arms and six eyes and rather than two eyes, two arms, two legs. I disagree with that. That very well could be the case out there. But it, given panspermia and taking that into account, building blocks of life throughout the universe, I find it quite feasible that another life form could have evolved to have two arms, two legs, two eyes. Now again, if we were going to argue that they're too human-like, well there's issues with that. Specifically with the two I point out. The insectoid and the grays. One looks very fetal. Notice, their mouths don't even usually work. Their eyes are odd. They have long, skinny, bony fingers and bodies. That is not human. There is a stark difference. So, they could have evolved that way. So that one is also incorrect. You would also think being bipedal would help you transverse space. Now, I know the argument may come up. Well, UFOs got to travel all that distance. Well, they have technology. They could have figured that out. Easy answer for it. Number three, the reported behavior in thousands of abduction reports contradicts the hypothesis of a genetic or scientific experimentation on humans by an advanced race. So that one you know that I'm going to disagree with. I don't see that. In fact, what I see is they have some form of agenda. If you're looking at it in the terms of, hey, let's grab that person and see if what they're made of or what their genetic biology is, yeah, but you're not looking at it in that sense because that's not the abduction phenomena. Again, they take people from family lines, there seems to be some form of agenda, they put you back and they take you repeatedly. It's not a random occurrence. So this actually doesn't fit. Now what he points out in this part is why would they not go to blood banks and sperm banks in order to get these? Well, I don't know. That's that's quite a question. I would think maybe they just want the people to know, too. Maybe they want to have a personal experience with it. Maybe they're looking for something specific. I don't know. But that is a far cry from jumping off and saying interdimensional. I don't think that's an applicable route to go. It would also be much easier to keep going and grabbing specific people and then let them tell their stories so people may think they're crazy, hallucinating, the same arguments we get on alien abductions, rather than going to a sperm bank or a blood bank and taking said blood from there or semen from there. First off, questions are going to pop up once you start taking shit like that. Now, not only that, but people also need that blood and that sperm. It could be a courtesy thing by not taking it. I don't know. But those are some pretty good arguments I would have to argue. So number four. The extension of the phenomena throughout recorded history demonstrates UFOs are not a contemporary phenomena. So what we have here is him asserting that aliens, demons, gods, all the same thing. Now again, if you wanted to say that 
they were coming here and just grabbing somebody and then taking off, you know, just getting surveyed the planet. Yeah, that debunks that right there. But again, that's not what we see. This is one of the reasons I don't touch the ancient astronaut theory, because again, it's open to interpretation. If you want to take it all as fact, and say that that is 100% a possibility, sure, I guess you can make an argument for that. I don't think that means, therefore, interdimensional. Arguably, you could say that that was different extraterrestrials. So there's a lot of issues with some of these. So just because it dates back does not mean it has to be paranormal, interdimensional, any of that. Now this is going into the fey folk and all the kind of shit, right? Demons, fey folk, angels, gods, mythology. But again, where I draw another issue with this is they could have been observing for that long, even interacting back then, simply to see how things go over time. Again, we're a bunch of violent fucking animals. They probably wonder how things are going to turn out. Now that's if these entities were the same ones as the ones before. See, again, this is why I don't go into the ancient astronaut theory. So number five, the apparent ability of UFOs to manipulate space and time suggests radically different and richer alternatives. Correct. But the issue is, it could 100% be spacecraft rather than coming through interdimensional portals and things like that. They aren't able to manipulate time. I know people seem to think that, but it doesn't seem to be the case. Now, I've heard a few odd cases, but again, the overall pools suggest otherwise. Manipulate space? Possibly. We don't know 100% everything about physics. Einstein's Rosen Bridge is a good theory. And a good example. So to chalk it up as something interdimensional seems a bit of a stretch. Overall, some of the things pointed out in here really don't seem to be issues as much as they're being put forth to be. Again, to break down the abduction experience. You were taken. At times, let's just run one down, okay? You got three aliens in front of you. You wake up, three of them are around your bed. Blue light coming through the window. They take you outside to a landed UFO. You go inside. You have experiments done on you. You're taking a tour of the ship. You're asked to hold a baby. You hold the baby, which looks human, but also not. Stark difference. You give them back the baby. You're given a warning, a vision, or even pulling it up on a screen of earthly devastations. You are put back in bed And then you deal with the aftermath. That's your typical alien abduction. That, what he's arguing here, doesn't seem to fit that. So the five points I just went over are not good enough arguments. And one of the big points I want to make and I'm just going to go with the example of Bigfoot, is you're going to find whatever you're looking for in a couple of cases. And what I mean by that is we need to look at the overall pool of data rather than 15, 20 cases. Now, for example, 
I don't do Bigfoot research, and I don't know who people fall on. But I've heard all three of these scenarios play out. So, a Bigfoot researcher does research, and man, I think he's an interdimensional being. Well, you may find 15 cases of that. Or man, I think Bigfoot's an alien. Well, you may find 20 cases of that. Or hey, I think he's a cryptozoological creature. And you're going to find a lot of those. In other words, people's interpretations affect things greatly. And I don't know whether or not that's really a disservice, to be honest with you, because I think it might be. Now what I mean by that is... And I'm going to throw myself in on this example. So I take more of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. You know, it's not unknown. I think most people who listen to my podcast can tell that. I see people dealing with occupants coming out of a craft, taking you and leaving. There's oddities to it, but it's nothing that couldn't be explained away as possible technology or misinterpretation on the part of the witness, whether guided interpretation or their own perceptions. But you tell these same cases to a Nick Redfern, a Brad Steiger, a John Keel, a Jacques Vallée, and you're going to come up with different answers. Now, that's what I mean by this. It comes down to not only the interpretation of the investigator or researcher, it comes down to the interpretation of the witness, the author, the radio host, all of these people. It comes down to our own interpretations of things, and sometimes that muddies the water a little bit. Now, I try to be as open-minded as I possibly can, and I think that's the best thing we can do. Now, I don't write off the interdimensional hypothesis. I just don't see the correlation between them. Again, I used to believe that. I went from they're extraterrestrials, to maybe they're robots, to maybe interdimensional, to maybe even demons. I went every route that I could possibly think of. And yet, here I am back on the ETH. And I think most people are. And when you start linking these weird connections together, you certainly are going to not only confuse yourself, but other people. And you're going to start drawing parallels where there are obviously none. And I think that's the part that irritates me the most. And it's not just with the interdimensional hypothesis. It's with the time traveler theory. It's with the robot theory. The demon theory, every bit of it. Hell, even sometimes in the extraterrestrial hypothesis. The only thing we can do, and please, my listeners, please do it. Get every bit of data you possibly can. Just tear through these books and draw your own conclusions. But be open-minded and yet skeptical at the same time. While it sounds odd, paranormal research, we have to try to be as scientific as we possibly can. We can't just take a couple cases and then say, therefore this, or therefore that. Now some people would even argue that's what I'm doing. Well, I would strongly disagree with them. I'm even taking a look at some of the more paranormal things and trying to explain them. That's what these UFOs and the paranormal podcast are about when I do these episodes. I try to venture out and I try to look at other people's perspectives. Now this process isn't to debunk people or trash on their theories. This process is trying to explain these in a more mundane way. Because I take these people 
at their words if they seem credible, right? So I'm going with the fact that they say they had an experience. So let's go with it. If they had an experience, let's break it down. And I'm taking these more odd cases and I'm making them less odd and breaking them down in a more scientific viewpoint of things to a degree. I'm not doing it to shade the own color of my own theory. I know nobody's claimed that, but I'm just making a point here. I'm not going after a particular researcher, even though at times it may seem so. I'm trying to get some of my listeners to think differently, preferred to thinking everything is a I guess it's my catchphrase now, a fucking witch's brew of paranormal crap. I mean, we have odd things going on, even just in the UFO phenomenon. But I don't think it's right to jump to conclusions about their origins, such as in... Well, I saw a portal open through the walls, so therefore paranormal. Now, given more data, I would be very open to that. Again, I've gone over all of these theories. If somebody proposed a very good argument for me for the interdimensional hypothesis, I'd be open to it. I've gone through these theories, and I've believed some of them, and yet I find other cases that contradict them. And that should move you in a different direction. You should be constantly evolving. Now again, people may say to me, Well, look at what you're doing here. You're proposing the extraterrestrial hypothesis and there's no evidence for it. Well, there's some pretty strong evidence for it, actually. In fact, most Americans, and I would think most people around the world, nowadays, believe extraterrestrial life is quite possible. Not only that, it's more of a common sense kind of thing. It shouldn't be too hard for us to fathom that we would be visited, that we are being visited, given people's reports, and that these craft go into the sky and come down from the sky. Honestly, it shouldn't be as hard as people are making it. And just having things being muddied up in the field with ghosts being thrown in or interdimensional portals or time travel, it just overcomplicates the whole thing. If we have to, let's prove the phenomena 100%, and then you can theorize about it. But until then, I'm going to take what I've read, what I've researched, and I'm going to draw the parallels that need to be drawn. The odd cases are not ignored by me. And I will continue to do these UFOs and the paranormal episodes. And we will go over them. But I just want you to keep an open mind and be skeptical. You don't have to buy into everybody's case. Now, I'll give you another good example once more of the mysterious universe running joke. Where the farmer saw an alien with a ball of light with his Sasquatch, the alien's Sasquatch, and he said, don't touch that. He did, and he blew up. Now, I'm sorry, but that case is more than likely fabricated. For obvious reasons, it's a very outlandish story. And yet, somebody reported that. It's just an example of not everybody tells the truth. So again, please stay open-minded out there. 
and try to take my words and at least grab that from me. I'm going to end this episode on some wise words from Dr. Alan Hynek. In 1977, the first International UFO Congress in Chicago, Dr. Alan Hynek gave a speech called What I Really Believe About UFOs. I do believe that the UFO phenomena as a whole is real, but I do not mean necessarily that it's just one thing. We must ask whether the diversity of observed UFOs all spring from the same basic source, as do weather phenomena, which all originate in the atmosphere, or whether they differ as the rain shower differs from a meteor, which differs from a cosmic ray shower. We must not ask simply which hypothesis can explain the most facts but rather which hypothesis can explain the most puzzling facts. Now, when speaking about the ETH and the interdimensional or extra-dimensional hypothesis, Dr. Alan Hynek went on to say, there is sufficient evidence for both. In support of the ETH, he gave the examples of solid objects on radar and physical trace cases as well as physical cases in general. He then points out the support for the interdimensional or extra-dimensional hypothesis. He goes on to state that poltergeist, by some after close encounters, is one. UFO photographs only in one frame, seen by no witnesses. UFOs changing form in front of witnesses. Telepathic communication. During close encounters of the third kind, and I'm going to throw in the fourth as well, even though he didn't say that, the beings seem to be at home on Earth and Earth's gravity and atmosphere. He points out the sudden stillness in the presence of the craft, levitating cars and people, development of psychic abilities after an encounter. He then goes on to say, do we have two aspects of one phenomena, or two different sets of phenomena? He then goes on to propose a third theory. I hold that a technology exists, which encompass both the physical and the psychic, the material and the mental. There are stars that are millions of years older than our sun. There may be a civilization that is millions of years more advanced than man's. We have gone from Kitty Hawk to the moon in some 70 years at the time. But it is possible that a million-year-old civilization may know something we don't. I hypothesize an M&M technology encompassing the mental and the material realms. The psychic realms so mysterious to us today may be an ordinary part of an advanced technology. Now that's more along the lines of what I fall on. And I think that even with the psychic phenomena, it can be explained. At least the psychic phenomena during close encounters. Now we've covered uh, quite a bit of those things on this podcast alone. Specifically, what he points out about some of the close encounter witnesses and experiencers having poltergeist activity. Now, he notes that some of them do, and not a big majority of them. I'll link on my Facebook an interview he did on a talk show where he speaks a little more about that. And he says that it's not in all cases, but in some. Now again, I find that important, because I follow quite closely along these lines as Dr. Alan Hynek. He's one of my personal heroes. 
Now, again, the question, as he proposed, are they two separate phenomena or one and the same? And with the series of the UFOs and the paranormal, we are going to keep looking for that. Now with that, we're going to end it this week, guys. Um, I just want to wish you guys a happy Thanksgiving. I'm not going to do one this Sunday. I'm going to put this out early because I was already working on it when I did my interview with Preston. I want to thank the goons for Hot Rods from Outer Space. Follow them on Facebook. Subscribe to them on YouTube. Badass band. I just want you guys to take in mind some of the things I've said today. And with that, I'm going to see you guys next week. I just want to say, the UFOs want to tell you something, keep kicking it.